We talk about real estate syndication, but, but in fact, you can really syndicate anything. Uh, you can syndicate a sports team. You can syndicate racehorses. Like there's all kinds of, it, it really just comes down to um, grouping in investors with operating partners. And so you have your investment partners, your capital partners, and your operating partners are the people who do the work, whether that's run the baseball team, uh, manage how, how the horse is taken care of, or like in our case, manage the real estate, you know, purchase, manage, and, and go through the complete business plan. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm excited to be here with Rachel McFarlane. Rachel is our uh, newest team member. She's come on board as our investor relations manager. So excited to have her. And in, in, um, gosh, I don't, how long ago did we meet? Like 15 years, something like it's, it's maybe not quite that long time ago uh, in, in the veterinary world. Um, and then, you know, sort of through fortuitous timing, uh, it worked out well to have Rachel come on board. Um, Rachel, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if there's anything you want to talk about from your background. Um, no, I'm just... happy to. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, happy to be a part of the LARC team. Very excited. Uh, real estate is definitely not um, unfamiliar territory to me. Um my father has always uh, been a investor in the residential property side. And so growing up, I've definitely had um, just being able to see my dad buy property, hold on to it, um, flip it, or mostly it's for um, just invest long-term investment um, benefits. So I'm uh, interested to see a different side of real estate and help grow Lark and be a part of this team. Yeah, awesome. Um, and the, I guess the the idea behind this this episode of the podcast was really uh, centered around a lot of the conversations that you and I have been having with investors lately and, and each other. But but just kind of, I think sometimes you get. Um, in this world and the farther you get into it you know some of the stuff becomes second nature uh some of the terminology that gets used and thrown around and it's just i think sometimes we forget you know a lot of investors that we're talking to whether that's in person or or via our um, social media platforms and and whatnot i think sometimes you just they don't know they don't have the same background maybe they didn't have a father that <laughs> was an investor and they didn't grow up in construction like I did. Like they just, and so all of the terms can be very foreign. And I think that maybe scares people from, you know, scares them from being, from taking advantage of these opportunities that are available to them. And, and a lot of times people think, um, you know, when they think of real estate, they think about that their only option is what your dad did and does. And, and right. they already have a very busy life and, and, you know, job, kids, whatever it is, and just aren't um, comfortable with the idea of, of taking on something and sort of self-managing and not realizing that 
that passive investments, uh, passive investing in real estate is 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 available and, and actually quite prevalent in the world. So um, we, we just decided we wanted to do this and, and almost kind of roll it back a little bit and, and go, you know, sort of straight from the beginning to put out some of the basics and really just try to talk through the life cycle of what's involved in the syndication. Um, and and we, we currently uh, have a fund open, which is, which is, and the reason I mention it now is just because we, there may be points through this where we use syndication and fund a little bit interchangeably, but I'll try to define some of the differences so you can see, you know, as people are making investment decisions, what might be more appealing to them um, one over the other. So we'll, we'll, I just want to put that out there. If I, if I'm using that word and, and, and feel free to call me out on it, Rachel, if I'm using that word and it may not be something that someone in an, in a spot that someone might not understand that the whole idea of this thing is, is just pure education. So we'll, we'll go from that and we'll, we'll, um, we'll interject some of the questions that we've gotten from, uh, potential investors and, um, just try to, and, and even maybe wrap through some at the end, but the first question, the big question is, is what is a syndication? Um, and you know, you, you can, you'll see it defined in a number of different ways, but basically a real estate syndication involves a group of people or a group of investors pooling resources together to purchase an asset larger than one person might generally purchase on their own. And so we, we talk about real estate syndication, but, but in fact, you can really syndicate anything. Uh, you can syndicate a sports team. You can syndicate racehorses. Like there's all kinds of, it, it really just comes down to um, grouping in investors with operating partners. And so you have your investment partners, your capital partners, and your operating partners are the people who do the work, whether that's run the baseball team, uh, manage how, how the horse is taken care of, or like in our case, manage the real estate, you know, purchase, manage, and and go through the complete business plan. Syndications provide a way for individual investors to participate in these larger deals and leverage the expertise of the managing partners and the experienced professionals. So everybody has their role in the syndication. It's just kind of a matter of, of are you in one of the active roles or are you in one of the passive roles? So that's what we're going to kind of break down here is going through the process of a syndication. And I guess realistically, if you're listening or watching this, like someone who is interested in being uh, an operating partner or a limited partner or an investment partner, either way, you want to know kind of what the process is. And so the, the first thing really that happens is we identify a property or we identify an asset. Again, we we'll sort of use those interchangeably because most of what we're talking about here is with, with real estate, but we identify an asset and we decide, okay, this, this, we, this is something that appeals to us. We do uh, the underwriting. We make sure the numbers work. We make sure the projected returns for our investors are where we want them to be. And then we start the process of, acquiring that asset. And the first thing we do is we essentially we form an LLC. And the reason we do that is because in fact, when you invest in syndication, what you're actually doing is purchasing shares of the company that owns that asset. So it's uh, similar to 
purchasing stock in via the stock market. It's a different way to do it, but but you are you are in fact selling shares of a company that owns that asset. So you have to form that company, which is the LLC that holds ownership of the property. So it's a little bit confusing, but it really just provides for legal protections, um, especially for the for the uh, uh, limited partners or investors. And so and form that company. Go ahead. Jason, will you touch on if if someone becomes a passive investor in LARC, what our typical assets are? Yeah. And so typically we're looking at um, multifamily real estate. Uh, currently, what we're targeting is uh, break them down into classes, but B class, which it ultimately refers to two things that usually typically refers to the age and also the location. So if the best way to think of it, I think, is kind of start at the top. So A class is brand new. So something that was, was just built and uh, almost everything that's brand new is going to be built in a very nice location, right? So that's how people can charge the most rents and therefore um, create the most value out of that new construction. B class is sort of the next level. So you might go back to um, late 80s, early 90s as far as, as vintage. Um, and still be in B class, but also refers to that location. So it may not be where all the newest of the new uh, is being developed, but it's going to be pretty close proximity to that. And so you have um, that sort of nice feel, but but not necessarily brand new. And we're also targeting um, greater than 100 units. And, and the real reason for that is just economies of scale. So there are certain numbers of units and by that we mean apartments certain number of apartments that um, require x amount of staffing right so if we say a hundred units requires one leasing person in the office and one um, maintenance person you still you still need those people if you have 80 units but you have 20 less units then to sort of cover the costs of their salary and payroll and all of that. So there there are, um, that's where the economies of scale come in. At, at certain numbers, you essentially optimize the expenses associated with it. So if you're buying 300 units, 400 units, now you might even get better because you don't necessarily need a leasing manager for every 100 units. So if you're at 400 units and you only need three people in the leasing office, well, effectively, that's one less salary for per hundred units, if you will. So we, a lot of times people use that hundred unit, maybe 150 unit as that sort of cutoff where you start to really realize those economies of scale. It's not, it's not the only expense, but it's probably the easiest one to explain. Um, and so, so that's what we're targeting. We have our markets markets that we like. Specifically, um, Atlanta is probably uh, where we're most heavily invested. We also like Phoenix, Arizona, and the Carolinas. So, in terms of targets, that's that's kind of what we're looking at from a um, multifamily real estate standpoint. So, once we identify and we've formed our LLC, now we're going to go through the process of sort of creating an offering and an investor summary. And so we get all our numbers dialed in. We start the process of uh, finding financing, of 
finding who our, our property management is going to be. Typically, we already know that because we have developed teams and we have boots on the ground. But we're, we're essentially assembling the team that's going to manage that asset through purchase and afterwards. And so then we put together um, an investment summary and we're sending that out to our, our uh, investor pool and seeing who's interested. When you're talking about a syndication for a single deal, a single asset, then you're going to kind of do that all each time. Um, when we talk about our fund, now we have an investment summary that is for our fund in total, and we don't have to create a new legal structure. We, we, we create a new legal structure for each property that the fund owns, but we don't have to create a new um, legal paperwork necessarily each time we purchase a new asset. So it actually create it actually saves on some of the expenses in the long run coming through a fund once you start to build up <clears throat> a number of assets in that prop in that uh, fund. But as an investor, you're either investing in one single property, or you're investing in a fund which will have diversity and um, kind of invest across multiple properties. So we we create our summary of that. We make we try to make something that is um, easy to understand and informative for our investors. And typically, we'll hold a webinar so that we can um, sort of get the word out as to what's going on. And then when someone decides that they are interested in all of these things, a lot of the stuff is happening simultaneously. At the beginning, the general partners or the operating partners are doing a lot of different steps simultaneously. We're developing all the paperwork, we're negotiating with the seller, we're arranging financing. Like I said, we're getting that, that team in place. At the same time, we're reaching out to investors and the investors are evaluating the opportunity and deciding that's something they're interested in. Once they do that, the best way really to kind of find all the information in one place is to go to our website. Um, and for, through there, you can click on the deal room. There's a big deal room button. You can click on that and go to and find out everything you need about that, about that investment um, or that opportunity. And if you decided something you're interested in, then you kind of follow through the steps. You'll see what's called a private placement memorandum or a PPM. It's an extremely long kind of scary legal document that um, lists the potential risks because this is an investment, lists all the potential risks kind of over and over again. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not honestly not sure why it has to be in there like five times, but I, I think it's really all of this is governed by the SEC. And so there are specific guidelines that the, the uh, PPMs have to follow. And we have a specific syndication attorney who writes that up for us and, and kind of guides through that process. <coughs> Excuse um, me. And, I think and it's probably good to talk about and mention just that this, this part of the process can be um, uh, a lot to read through and go through. And that's where you or I would come in. And uh, I mean, you, especially going through this document with somebody and being able to answer any and all questions is something you are available to do because someone might not be familiar with um, a PPM. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly true with We can, uh, we, we want the, the whole point, you know, in, in bringing you on is, is, 
to make our investors, to make their experience better. And I know, you know, we both come from the veterinary world and, and I'm sure this is true in, in other professions as well, but, but you know, the, in general, you, you get caught up in, in life, whether that's your work, your family, your, your, your kids, all of that stuff. And, and maybe you didn't learn a lot about this stuff. I didn't know about all this stuff, you know, five, six years ago. I, but it, despite having been involved in real estate and construction since I was a teenager, th this is just a different side of the coin. And the, the idea is for us to make this as user-friendly, easy, take away, take away the, the limitations that come out of fear, right? Like let's address all that stuff right up front. And that way people can invest comfortably and, and build for their financial futures because I'm a, I a hundred percent believe in the vehicle for building for your, for your financial future and um, wealth growth and things like that. So yeah, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> if it's sitting down and going through the PPM line by line with someone with a potential investor, we'll do that. I've done it. Um, it's, it's tedious, but it's important that you understand. And the first time I ever saw a PPM, the first, the first investment I made in a syndication was as a passive investor. It was not one of my own deals. It was someone else. I, I uh, one of my mentors, I trust her completely. I wasn't, I wasn't at all worried about investing with her. And then I read the PPM and I was like, wow, this is serious. Like this is heavy stuff. And, and it's, it's kind of ironic because, you know, when people want to invest in real estate passively, they get this, they get this, you know, 70 plus page document about all of the risks. But if you want to invest in the stock in the stock market, all you got to do is get a Robin hood app and you can put as much money in there as you want. There's no like no legal uh, process. There's no, you don't have to um, prove that you're accredited or, or whether you are or are not accredited. None of that is involved in investing in stocks and, and it's, there's, risk in any investment. So I don't, I don't frankly don't understand why it's different, but long story short, we are here to help in, in all capacities, wherever, whether it's before you invest or after you invest. Um, I think one of the big beauties of these types of offerings is uh, it's the, the, the PPM is called private placement memorandum. Cause that's what this is. You're investing in a private placement. Well, what that means is you have access to me and, and my team. You have access to us and you get to call us with questions and things like that. I'm 100% I'm sure you'll never get Tim Cook on the phone if you invest in Apple. So it's it's to be provide a more personalized service for people and, and with with a, an ex excellent um, investment vehicle. So that, that's kind of the idea. And to round out you know, sort of what happens as a passive investor in that, you know, sort of beginning stages. Once you go through, you read the PPM, you're comfortable, you go ahead and sign. The next thing is you're just going to get, um, essentially, it's going to automatically send you wire instructions. And then you wire in your capital to the, to the um, bank account that's associated for that specific LLC. And then we close the deal whether that's, you know, via single deal syndication or, or through, um, through our fund. Um, anything to add in there or ask there, Rachel, before I kind of move on? 
I think um, one of the questions that uh, we've gotten is when um, somebody invests from that point in time, um, how often are we in communication with them before the assets uh, go live, essentially, or before um, distribution start? And um, is there yeah. a time frame that you set from the beginning? Yeah, a great question. And, and, and it the short answer actually is it kind of depends. And I'll I'll explain that. So for one thing, if I believe people should invest in real estate, I think it's a great investment vehicle. They don't have to invest with us. There's other people doing this. And if, 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 if our investment thesis doesn't fit what they want, I'm happy to make introductions. But at the end of the day, the answer to your question, your specific question should be all defined in the offering summary or the offering memorandum and also in that PPM. So it's going to talk about things like what should what the communication schedule will be. It's going to talk about things like, you know, when is this deal supposed to close? If you're if you're investing in a single deal, that's going to be different potentially than a fund. So if you're investing in a single deal, typically it's a fairly quick process, like maybe 45 to 60 days. So you're going to get a deal. So the operator is going to get a deal under contract. You're going to decide whether or not you want to be a part of that deal, and you're going to have to invest fairly quickly to get in there and, and be a part of that deal, and then it closes. With a fund, it's a little bit of a longer process in that the capital contribution portion is open longer, and also we're continuing to buy multiple assets through within that fund. And so... The hold time still, whether it's a fund or it's a um, single deal, should be defined in the investment criteria. And for us, for our fund, it's five to seven years. That's the, the total hold time. Distributions typically will start three to six months after purchase of whatever property, whatever acquisition you're trying to do. That's That's within our deal. A contrary example to that would be, say you were investing in a development deal. So you're going to invest in a, in a ground up build of an apartment building. There's not going to be any distributions probably for two to three years because that building is being built and not making any money yet. So the distributions are based on the income that the building or the asset is producing. So and that's okay. People people do development deals all the time, and and they're they're good deals. And you're looking at overall returns, not necessarily what distributions I'm getting during the during that initial hold time. So you have to look at what you want to get out of your investment, and then you have to look at the investment summary for the deals that you're looking at. But ultimately, um, within our fund, we're doing monthly distributions. Uh, typically, you're going to see either monthly or quarterly. It just depends, and you're going to look at that, look at that deal summary, the the offering memorandum, to see what the expectations are there for, um, for distributions. And and like I said, our hold time for the fund is five to seven years. Does that answer kind of what you were getting at? Yeah, I think the only other um, question that might come up is uh, if. In our, we have a fund right now that we're working on and we have um, an investor interested and puts forth the capital this month. Um, 
do they do their funds sit there until we actually close the deal uh, when it's expected or when we like is there a year long wait before they start to receive distributions and do we do they get that information in the PPM? They definitely will get the information in the PPM. It should be in any PPM. So our our deal okay. or someone else's deal, those types of things should be defined, even to the point of specifically in a fund. So at the, the people get a little bit hung up on this, but if you look at it from the actual time horizon of five to seven years, what happens right at the very beginning is that fund has to pick up momentum, right? So in the beginning, people are investing at different time frames. In the beginning, assets are being bought at different time frames. When you invest in a fund, depending on when you put your money in, it may or may not go directly into a deal. Usually, it's going to go into a deal within a month or one to three months, let's say. There are usually provisions in the PPM of what's happening with that money in the meantime. You can do a, um, it can be put in a money market account, so it's gaining interest. But, but rest assured, like if you invest in a fund, you are still, even if you come in, like for example, in our fund, we already have the first asset in the fund. People who invest moving forward, they're still investing in that initial asset. And people who invested before are investing in the future assets. It's just right mm -hmm. now, we have one asset in there. And so the distributions are based on the profit that's coming to the fund from all assets combined. So it's a thing that people get hung up on in the beginning, but like, in reality, one year into the fund or two years into the fund, like it doesn't matter because everything, all the money should be in and it should all be, all the assets are probably acquired. There are different types of funds. There's are, there are evergreen funds where that cycle just keeps going, where they're always raising capital and they're always purchasing new assets and it just keeps going and you get your distributions based on when you come in and, and it just kind of rolls over. It makes the bookkeeping and the accounting a little bit tricky on the back end. Like it's a lot harder to manage those things within a fund than it is in a single deal, but that doesn't matter for the investor. They don't have to do that. That's the whole point, right? There as the passive investor, they don't have to do any of the additional work. We do that. So <clears throat> when people invest, th there are different ways to structure a fund. The other thing that you can do is essentially create a almost like a capital call type of situation where if someone signs up to invest in the fund, they don't necessarily have to put the money in then, but the minute you send them a notification that, hey, we need the funds, they are legally then required to send the funds in. And I actually think that's a little bit scarier because if you are thinking like, oh, maybe they won't acquire anything in the next you know, three months, six months, I'll just hang on. And then you're in that type of situation. And then a month later, someone says, okay, you've got to put your money in. Now that's a little bit of a, of a tricky thing. So I think like the, the idea of a fund, the, the funds are not success, successful if we don't buy assets. So the whole idea is to continue buying assets. So it, it generally, we don't expect people's money to be like sitting around waiting, but you can't yeah, buy I assets think... without money. 
of course. And that's where all the communication comes in, right? It's important to be able to have people who are open to communication at any point in time, like myself or you. And, um, and, and then just knowing that the questions can be asked and, um, and, and the other point you made, which I think is good to refocus on is it's, it's, um, the distributions aren't necessarily the main thing to put the focus on. It's how long is the whole time and what's our goal at the end of that whole time? Um, because that's really where the real, um, financial gain can come into play. Right. It's, it's the long term. It, 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 real estate is a, is a get rich slow, not get rich quick. And so what happens in the first three or six months of an investment, like generally has no bearing on how things end up. The, the, the other thing just to mention here in this with, within our fund and, and other people do this in their deals too, but we have, uh, what is, we have a preferred return, which is, um, a preferred return. There are no guarantees when it comes to investing, uh, but a preferred return means we pay and our preferred return is 10%. We pay 10% to the investors annually before they, before we, Alark Capital as a, as a company shares in any of the profits, right? So investors are, are going to make 10% before we ever see anything. And so what that does is, is when you invest your money, that's when that number starts calculating, right? So it's a cumulative thing. You probably won't be getting 10% annually in the first six months, maybe even 12 months, but that there's a catch up over time. But if your money's not invested, that clock hasn't started. So it's, although you may not receive a distribution right away, that calculation is happening right away. Right. So, so you are in fact earning something for it to be there. Like you're, you're on the clock essentially, as far as uh, returns go. So I think maybe that's another way to explain like the benefit of, of not just sitting back and waiting. Cause I, I think that's one of the biggest problems I feel like people make or big, biggest mistakes is, is sitting on the sidelines for too long and then they get, uh, they miss the boat. So it's just, but, I, but you're right. The communication is, is the most important thing. And, and sort of we, um, I guess we can talk about our sort of reporting communication. And, and this is, this goes along with, with the, the operation and management of the property. Once we've acquired the property, then we go into the whole process of asset management. And that's, that's quite frankly, another, an entirely new episode or an, a different episode. And it's not what our passive investors are going to be doing. That's the whole point. They don't have to do any of that part. We do that part and then we make continued communication and reporting to let them know exactly what's going on. So we have um, a monthly, uh, we have a monthly newsletter or sorry, a weekly newsletter that goes out to all of the people on our investor list, our, investors or our in our database our investors are getting monthly updates on the properties that they are invested in whether that's the fund or any of our other deals they're getting monthly updates on those and again every single one of them has my phone number my email they have all of our stuff it's all it's all there for them to contact us so they can call text email 
any time and we can talk about it. So, I mean, a lot of them are people I know. And so I talk to them anyway, but it's kind of a, um, the, the opportunity to communicate is there and, and, you know, I guess repeating what I said earlier, that's one of the biggest points of, of adding you to the team is so we can make that communication even better, even more robust, even more, um, user-friendly to, to investors. So that's the yeah. whole goal of, of building this team out. And, and from my perspective, I'm a big talker anyway, so I'm happy to always talk to anybody, but I think I like my foundation is built on asking questions and, and feeling comfortable with anything I put my time and energy into. And I would expect that of the people that we work with as well, the investors. Um, and so those are the, you know, the types of relationships that I want to have and we want to build as, in, as part of this group. And, um, and I think that's a, a really important thing as well. Like it's the people you work with and um, this is a different type of um, investment entity than stocks, as you already kind of discussed. And so I think when you're, you know, putting as much capital as you are or could be into a fund like this, it's important to be able to have those really comfortable relationships. And it's important to be able to ask those questions. And you're exactly right. Like that's, um, I appreciate that in my own life and in the things that I invest in, whether it be um, a fund directly, what we're talking about or a work in general or my investment in my kids, right? Like all these things are, are important. No, hundred percent. And I think it, it's just, well, here's, here's a good example. It's, it, you know, we're coming up on tax time here and, um, well, specific, specifically important to know is if you are investing in real estate, even as a passive investor, you want to make sure that you have, uh, an accountant or CPA that understands how that impacts your tax treatments. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those, but I have definitely gotten some questions from some of our investors around tax time, and it's happening again now, where I would have assumed that any CPA would know these things, but but they don't. And so I've helped uh, some of our investors with, with how to manage some of their, um, I don't file their taxes, I don't do any of it, but if they're hearing things that I know are probably not correct or not in their best interests, I have directed them to someone who can help them, who has specific um, knowledge and expertise in the world of real estate investing, because it, it is different. And, it, and it, there's a tremendous amount of tax benefits, but you have to know how to take advantage of them and take advantage of them in a way that's not going to end you up in tax court. So there's that stuff is, is what we try to be there for. Again, we're not, I'm not a CPA, I'm not an attorney, but I have those resources and we can help you like we people can invest through retirement accounts, but it has to be a self-directed IRA. I have people I can direct you to that do those things that set up self-directed IRAs. And I would direct you to them because I've done it, not because I'm just <laughs> like sending you to some random person. I'm sending you to the people that I know and have relationships with and trust. So it's um, that's that's another, I think, big benefit in the in the passive investing world is you get to leverage those relationships of the people that you're, you know, kind of working with and investing with. So I would say the 
sponsor or the operating partner is probably more important than the actual deal itself. Like some people have specific asset classes and things like that, that they want to be invested in. But, but really at the end of the day, you want to be investing with someone that you, you know, and trust and, and that they're going to be able to do what, what they say they're going to do that, that that's what they're going to hold at the highest, highest level is that we will, we will do what we tell our investors that we will do and, and just kind of, kind of back that up along the way because markets change things things go up and down and uh we still have to operate when the down the market is down we will be happy when markets are up but we we still have to operate when they're down and we still have to protect our investors when they're down so that doesn't change anything for us in terms of our approach um we talked about you know kind of the communication uh we talked about distributions we we practice a value add style strategy value add just refers to finding assets that we can purchase where we can um, force appreciation rather than just relying on the market to do it for us market appreciation is phenomenal sometimes that's going to help you more than uh, anything you can do from a forced appreciation situation but you also can't rely on it and we've all seen that stuff over the last um, handful of years where, where appreciation went up crazy and then it came down because interest rates went up and it'll go back up when interest rates. I mean, it's just, that's just part of it. But those are things none of us have control over. Um, we have a, we have control over which debt structures we use, which is uh, an extremely important part of the process when it comes to acquisition and things like that. But, but we don't have control over what the market does. And so we like to find things where we can force appreciation through our value add strategy, which basically just in a nutshell comes down to better management, which means, you know, optimizing the leasing and reducing expenses. And then also we like to do it through construction because that's, that's my background. I've, I've been getting my hands dirty since I was a teenager and, and I enjoy that piece of the puzzle and, and, you know, kind of how we can make this not only a, a nicer place for our residents to live, but but something that, you know, our investors can go and, and if they want to visit. And, and by the way, you can do that when you invest in these types of things. You can go. If, 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 I, if I'm in Atlanta, you want to meet me there? I'll be happy to show you around. Like we can, you have those opportunities to, when you're invested in a, in a um, you know, syndication or a fund. Um, but again, appreciation we're we're looking for ways we can force it and then you know we time our exit based on the market so we either you're going to and, and the strategy might differ per asset but you might consider a refinance or you might can re might consider a sale depending on where the market as is maybe you've kind of maximized the value out of your asset and now it's more of a cash flow play and there might be specific investors who want to purchase at that point everybody has a different plan and that's why i say like if someone isn't excited about our investment strategy that's okay like there's other ways to do it there's a lot of ways to be involved in real estate and we can still help them find those things and we can still help them learn about them even if they don't necessarily want to invest with us and that that's okay with me um 
we either refinance or we sell. A refinance is a nice option if you've had a significant drop in um, interest rates since your acquisition, but it doesn't necessarily always go that way, right? If you're if you're relying on a refinance and rates go up, you're probably in trouble. And and so it's kind of there's there's places where that comes into play. A refinance, like a cash out refinance, where you can harvest some of the equity, is a really nice scenario because then you can return investor capital and it's tax free. Refinance is not there's no tax on a refinance event. So there's a lot of um, benefits to a refinance, but it just has to work. It has to work with the strategy that you've got in place on that specific asset class. And typically you're going to have that, you're going to try to model that out before you even purchase it. You know, what's my strategy here? What, what debt structure is available to me? You know, how long are we going to hold this, right? If we're going to, if we have seven years of, of, if we have a, a loan that's seven years long and we might, and we're going to hold it for six years and it's a good loan, we're probably not going to refinance. We're going to sell it before it gets to the end of that kind of, so that, I mean, there's just, there's different ways to do it. When we have a capital event, it's referred to, which is either a refinance or a sale, then is when the, all that bookkeeping and, and uh, accounting comes into play, but that's when we, you know, calculate investor returns. And so again, if the preferred return has not been met up until that point, that's the first, that's the first stop. That's the first calculation in terms of returns. And so if our fund only made 10%, which is actually pretty good. <laughs> if our fund made 10%, our investors will get all of that. And, and we won't get any, and we will have done a lot of work for nothing. But again, it's not nothing because investors will have, will have won. Also, I invest passively in all of our deals. So I will get something out of it. But it's the point is investors come first, and that's, that's always going to be the way. Um, but when we have a capital event, again, if it's a refinance, you're getting a portion of your invested capital back. Um, you get to continue to receive distributions as if you had all of it in there. So it's a nice, uh, it increases your um, cash on cash return at that point. And then if we sell, then we take the sale proceeds and we um, divide them up based on your, your, your ownership percentage in that company. Now, I don't want to get into a long tax discussion, but there are tax implications when you sell. A refinance is a tax-free thing. Tax tax implications when you sell. Fortunate, fortunately, uh, passive investing is taxed at a significantly lower rate than earned income, like 50% versus 5, 10, 15%. So it's, your tax burden would be much lower, but when we have an exit, we also have the opportunity to do something like a 1031 exchange. And you can take those funds. If you don't want to realize the, the tax burden at that moment, you can roll them into another deal and, and continue the cycle and just continue to make money that way without having to pay the tax on it. So full disclosure, it doesn't go away forever. <laughs> Eventually the taxes become, uh, you, you'll, if you exit, you will have to pay taxes. Um, there is, probably even shouldn't bring this up here. It's a, a whole different discussion, but there is a strategy that basically you just keep rolling it over until you die. And then that tax burden goes away. These are all 
strategies, I will say, that can change based on the tax laws. So there was talk of doing away with 1031 exchanges. There has been talk of, uh, well, actually, the bonus depreciation was supposed to be phasing out, and then now they're reinstating it. It's in, it's in the Senate to be voted on to reinstate it. So things like that, policies change, but ultimately, most of the people in politics understand the value of real estate investing, both as an investor and as a um, uh, someone who needs a place to live, we're providing housing. Um, they see the value of those things. And so most of the time, cooler heads prevail and those rules don't change too dramatically. And real estate is still a very tax advantaged vehicle to, to grow your wealth within. So um, I feel like that's for the most part, again, we could probably <laughs> break down each of these topics and talk about them for hours. But for the most part, that is kind of the life cycle. And, and the fund is not that different. It's just that it's invested in multiple assets. So you would have multiple potential exits within the life of the hold or yeah, within the life of the fund. So that hold period of five to seven years for our fund, we're not going to sell, we're not going to buy all the assets and then sell them all on the same day. It's going to be, you know, one might sell after three years, one might sell after five years. Like it's going to be, it's sort of a rolling process. So that's how it works. But, but as we do that, then we take, we, it's the same process. We still take the profits from that deal and we distribute them to investors. I think there are a couple points in there that you made that are important to hit, you know, go back and hit on. It's one that you are investing right alongside our investors. And I, I think that's important to refocus on because that, um, brings a certain faith in, in the process and, um, the knowledge that you, trust this process as well. And you're putting money up just like another investor. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then the other thing is that the hope is, um, you know, we've, we've compared in this conversation, the benefits of this to stocks in a way, but <laughs> the hope and is that this is you, you've, you receive a much bigger, hopefully advantage or return in a process like this by investing in a process like this. Um, and then that the tax benefits and the fact that this is taxed in the, in the long run is um, yes, inevitable, but the hope is that the returns are at a scale that's much larger and, and that the, the progress that these funds make is at a much larger scale than what our stocks are typically doing. Um, and so I think those are two kind of important points is that the, the advantages and the progress of these, uh, investments can be much greater than what our traditional investments or stocks typically do. Yeah. And that the, the, the point about, you know, comparing it to stock again, that could be like an entire, another <laughs> several hour long conversation, but the, sure. the point is they are they are very different vehicles and and I, I believe that that real estate is is for a number of reasons probably the better vehicle but i'm not a, against investing in stocks and i actually invest in stocks but but so many people invest in stocks especially through like retirement accounts and things like that blindly and they don't actually know what they're investing in what the fee structures might be what you know like they don't know these things and so 
it, to me, it's the, the challenge is that you don't, you're doing something with your money that you're just doing it because that's what is kind of said to do. And you don't necessarily know what the opportunities are that are available to you as alternative options, diversification plays, call it whatever you want, just another way to grow your wealth. And, and like I said, I think in a, in a, in a better, um, in an advantaged way for, for a number of reasons, but, um, it's, it's a stocks are fine. I have no problem with them. It's just, that's kind of a, a, a different, it's a different strategy. Um, the point about, you know, me investing, I mean, honestly, the it's a little tongue in cheek here, but I think sometimes my wife wishes I didn't believe in this so much. And because the, the one, the one knock on real estate or the one, the one that I think people will, will, will uh, bring up here, here, I've heard from other in potential investors is just the illiquidity of it, right? So one reason I think people like the stock market or they have their Robin hood app or whatever is it's like, they can just sell any, anytime you can pick it up. If it's, if it's between trading hours, you can sell. That's great. As long as you're not doing it emotionally and most people are doing it emotionally. So I look at the illiquidity of real estate as a good thing that you can't make those rash emotional decisions and because you don't lose any money until you sell, right? You don't make any money until you sell either, right? It's all on paper with stocks or real estate. But if you can be rational about it and, and ride through the market cycles, you're going to be fine. Um, I, that's what I just sort of joke because, you know, sometimes, like I said, Maybe uh, my wife wishes I wouldn't put so much money into our real estate deals, but I I look at all of this, like I said, as a very long term outlook and 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 what it means when I'm gone. And we've talked about this. I've talked about this on the podcast. I I actually think by the, well, definitely by the time this one airs, my episode on on um, creating a billionaires out of my children through passive investing is, is going to be out. But, but the whole point is we expect in, in these life cycles of these, as a passive investor, we, we expect to roughly double our money every five years. That's in general, that's the expectation. It, it may be, it may take three years. It may take seven years, it, it, but around that and every market cycle, every deal is going to be a little different, but roughly, if I look at, you know, sort of where I am now and my kids turning 40, 50, 60, the number of times that money can double between now and then and what that does to whatever I get invested right now is just mind boggling. And so I have a very much approached this as I don't have to do this forever in the sense that I'm going to put as much as I can in, but the more I get in in the beginning the better that's going to look in the long run because it starts that clock. And same thing I mentioned with the, with the um, preferred returns. If you're, when it comes to investing, your biggest, biggest weapon is time. And so if you're waiting, if you're just waiting to invest, the clock hasn't started ticking. Once you get invested, it starts ticking. And so you're, you're moving your moving the needle towards that, you know, doubling cycle, if, if, if we're talking about real estate. So that that's why one, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a deal out there that I wouldn't invest in. So it, that, that's just why wouldn't I invest in my own deals? Cause it makes sense to me that I like those deals, but I, 
but I wouldn't do that to, I wouldn't, I'm not here to sell. I'm a terrible salesman. In fact, like I, I'm not here to sell. I'm here to provide opportunities and a, and a, um, in a vehicle that I very much believe in. And if, if I didn't, how, how am I going to put that out to investors? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I, I will be invested in every deal I do. And I oftentimes might be the largest investor in every deal I do. So we'll, we'll, uh, I'll leave it at that, but that, but, but yeah, th those are, I think important points for people to understand, uh, and, and realize like, we really are in this together. Like I'm not, I'm not just trying to <laughs> sell a product. I, I'm literally, we're trying to, trying to grow something together. I think um, the other really great thing would be is um, the hope to turn this into a graphic so that um, folks can actually see this and, and mm -hmm. have something to visually refer to um, during the process. And it may not, I mean, I'm a visual person, but some, someone else might just um, already know the process well enough that they can ask questions, you know, on a whim. But um, if we can, we'll pull a, if we can, we'll pull a graphic together so that that's available in the future. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on that. We'll have, and, and a lot of it, a lot of this information is it's out there, right? It's, it's, I've talked about probably all of this in bits and pieces through the podcast. We've got a lot of this on our website in the, in the, um, uh, we have blogs there. Like there, there's a lot of it there, but I, I did just want to kind of roll it back, take a step back and, and, I don't know, just kind of redefine everything for people that are coming in new, right? Now they can listen to this podcast episode and say, okay, here it is. Like we talked it out. Also, like we can point people to this podcast episode and, and we'll create more content out of it short form and so that it's it's out there. And, and I think a lot of this is just education. It's just about learning what's available to you. So um I think that's probably a good point to, unless you have any other questions that, that you can think of that you've heard. No, I, I'm, I'm very impressed that you were able to squeeze in as much as you were able to in the, in the last 50 minutes. So impressive. <laughs> well, again, it, it's, you know, the, the main point here is maybe the, the big take home for this is we're here to, to help you, you know, both of us, um, and thank you for joining me and, and folks listening to this episode. Um, you can find us. Our website is LarkCapital.com. You can email either of us. It's Jason at LarkCapital.com or Rachel at LarkCapital.com. Anybody uh, on our team, you can you can reach out. I think um, uh, there's also the info at LarkCap. But like, just email us directly or, or um, find our website. We've, we've tried to make it as, as user-friendly as possible. So it's... Um, is something that we are passionate about and believe in very much. And, and it's just about getting the word out there. So um, for Rachel, first of all, thanks for, for joining me today. Um, of course. Folks. I think the weekly newsletters too are the, a great place to start. Um, if no commitment necessary other than a weekly newsletter, it's a, a great yeah. way to learn about uh, this process and investing in general. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fo and follow us on social media, social media, get on our newsletter list. It, it's, we're just trying to put as much out there and, and as possible in terms of information for people to 
understand, but, but we also recognize at the end of the day, you're, you're going to probably want to have a call with one of us before you invest. And that's, that's great. We would love to have that discussion and see how we can help you and see, see if we're in alignment. Maybe, maybe you have a different goal set or strategy that I can point you to someone else that can help you with that. It's, it, that's okay. Or, or maybe I can help. I mean, I, like I said, I've been on the construction and, and residential side of real estate as well for a long time. So I'm, I've definitely talked to a number of people recently about, you know, they're talking about, you know, putting a, a ADU on their property or things like it's what I like real estate. I like talking about it. So just don't feel free. Don't be afraid to, to reach out. So thank you all for listening today. We, we really do appreciate it. Hey there. I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why?